G'day guys, and welcome to the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. Little warning today, guys. I have a six-week-old golden retriever puppy at my feet and running around the office, biting everything it can, including my toes, and kind of barking at things randomly. So if you hear the puppy make noise, I apologize, but I'm on babysitting duties while Lauren is out training. So work with me. I'm doing my best I can to get this podcast episode out. Now, guys, today's episode is on one of my favorite muscle groups to train, a muscle group I don't think gets enough love on social media, and that's hamstrings. So so often people normally talk about glute training or quads training, something like that. It's like, Eva, I want big glutes or I want big quads or, you know, whatever, whatever. But not enough is I want big hamstrings and hamstrings are amazing muscle. Um, obviously they're a very athletic muscle but they're a muscle that also gives a lot to your physique and you know a lot of the best physiques I've worked with they've always had amazing hamstrings that's really helped them say on stage in their bikini competitions or be really strong in their lifts and stuff like that so today's episode I want to talk about hamstrings because I want to give it the love it deserves um, because I think everyone could benefit from having stronger hamstrings and obviously, if your goal is physique, improved hamstring hypertrophy. So in today's episode, we'll cover the different functions of the hamstring. We'll cover exercises I like to use for each of these functions of the hamstring. And also, we'll cover common exercises people think are training the hamstrings, but they're actually not being trained at all. Okay, And then we can put this all together into a winning formula for hamstring training success. All right, so fun episode. I'm really excited about this one. Now, as always, guys, before I get started, please keep um, doing what you've been doing. So many have been sharing last week. I think we had almost 20,000 um, downloads of my podcast, which is another record, which means so many of you are listening and listening to a lot, but also sharing and telling your friends about it. So when you do that, please keep it going. It helps tremendously. And yeah, the more I can grow it, the more obviously enjoyable it is because you know I feel like you're actually talking to somebody on the end of the other side of the microphone often when you talk on a podcast because 99% of my episodes are by myself you often talk and be like does anyone even care or does anyone even listen so when people do listen and share and stuff like that it helps tremendously so thank you and please keep it going all right guys now the hamstrings now, when you commonly think of hamstrings, obviously the back of the leg, I hope people know that part, but with the hamstrings, they're a muscle which crosses two joints. So it's called a biarticulate muscle. So a biarticulate muscle is when that muscle crosses two joints, which means to train it really effectively, we want to train it with the both the joints being utilized. So when I'm saying joint, think of your movement pattern. So firstly, we can train our hamstrings at the knee joint. So our knee. So when we flex our knee, so flex, flexing our knee is going to be things like leg curls. So the best way to think of knee flexion is just imagine you're standing up and then you bend one leg, like you're doing a quad stretch. So you bend that leg and you bend the leg and bring your foot to your bum and that is you flexing your knee. 
So the reason why that's stretching out your quads is because your quads are the antagonist muscle of the hamstring. So the opposing muscle. So basically if the quads are being stretched, that means the hamstrings are going to be shortened. So they're contracting. If the hamstrings are being stretched, the quads are going to be shortening. Now, obviously knee flexion, what I want you to think is obviously your different leg curl variations. We've got our seated leg curl. We've got our lying leg curl. We've got our kneeling leg curl. And obviously you can do all of those in a um, single leg position or you can do bilaterally where both legs are being performing the movement. But that is going to be number one, flexing the knee. And the second function of the hamstrings is to extend the hip. So hip extension, all right? So hip extension, just think hip hinge, okay? So think when you're doing an RDL, a good morning, a back extension, things like that, that is going to be you hip extending. Now, your hamstrings are not the only hip extensor muscle. You've got your glutes, which extend the hip, and also the hamstrings. So both the glutes and your hamstrings are what will extend the hip. And that's why, you know, when you do things like a Romanian deadlift, you often hear me say, hey, it's for your glutes. It's for um, to get more glutes, push your legs, um, hips further back and things like that. So both the hamstrings and glutes are going to be extending the, the hip. And with the, as well, the leg curl, the knee flexion, yes, your hamstrings will be doing knee flexion, but also your calf muscle, the gastrocnemius, gastrocnemius, I think, there we go, um, also helps to flex the knee. So this is why you commonly feel your calf muscle as well in a leg curl. So just on that, guys, a little bit of education. We often talk about compound movements and isolation movements. So often people think an isolation movement means there's only one muscle being trained. And that's not really the definition of, of a compound of an isolation movement. An isolation movement means there's only one joint being trained, but that doesn't mean other muscles cannot be being trained. So in an isolation movement, it's just that joint being trained, but some muscles will help contribute to that movement. And so that's why when you do a hamstring curl, yes, your hamstrings are going to be the dominant muscle that helps flex the knee but your calf muscle will also help assist at the bottom when your leg's straight in that initial kind of 15 degrees of knee flexion. Likewise, when you extend your hip, your hamstrings are going to be doing the work as well as your glutes. And then often, obviously, you're going to feel things like your lower back because your lower back is going to be, your lower back muscles are going to be trained. If you keep it more of a neutral spine, your lower back muscle is going to be trained isometrically. So Isometrically, what does that mean? It means the muscle has tension in it, but it's not being lengthened or shortened. It's just basically staying fixed, like the length's not changing. So that's where we have an isometric contraction, which is not as ideal for hypertrophy. We want to take a muscle through a range of motion. So when it lengthens, it stretches, and then when it contracts, shortens, that's what we want for hypertrophy. Now, so hip extension, guys, common exercises, as I said, you know, you got your stiff legged deadlifts, your good mornings and stuff like that. But the thing is with these exercises, how can you make it more hamstring? How can you get more hamstring out of it? Because remember I said that when you're extending your hip, your glutes are involved and your hamstrings are involved. So you can actually increase the demands on either of the muscles. 
what you can't do is go, all right, I just want hamstrings and therefore it's going to be no glutes or I just want glutes and therefore it's going to be no hamstrings. But you can make it more of a bias towards one of those hip extensors. And if you want more hamstrings when you're doing things like a um, deadlift, you'd want to do more a stiff-legged deadlift. So an RDL, think of a Romanian deadlift as more of that bent knee position, which is going to be more preferential to get more glutes. Whereas if we want to get more hamstrings, we want to perform it with a straighter leg. So that's why we hear that stiff-legged version. And why would you want to do that? Because when we bend at the knee, what's happening is we're going to actually, basically the simple term is disadvantage the potential for the hamstrings to play as much of a role. So bending the knee, say when you do an RDL with that bent knee, it's going to place more of the demands on the glutes and the bending the knee is actually going to decrease basically the potential for the hamstrings to do as much work. But on the flip side, if we want more hamstrings, if we hip extend with a really straight leg, the straight leg is actually doing the opposite. It's going to increase the demands of the hamstring and disadvantage the um, the role of the glutes in as much of um, a dominant a dominant manner. Okay, so this is why again. Understanding small tweaks in your movements can help you really understand the bias of what you're trying to do. And we're training a lot of people overcomplicate stuff, but then I also think these days a lot of people then want to dumb things down. And it's really, you, I don't want to say absolutely vital, but it's I think it's really, really useful for people to understand just how small tweaks impact movements. So if you go to go and like, man, my hamstrings are not growing and I, I'm doing my hip hinges, but all your hip hinges are going to be really bent legs or really glute biased, then straight away, just by going to someone like me and being like, all right, well, you want more hamstrings, but all your hinges are really glute biased. I can instantly go, cool, let's do more stiff legged hamstring work because that's going to bias more hamstrings. And just by having that basic understanding, it now makes you realize, okay, even though I've been thinking I've been doing things right and I've been doing them pretty well, just by that small tweak in straightening the knee, I'm now going to get a lot more hamstring out of my movements. And this is why I think understanding these things matter. Same with, obviously, when I talk about glutes, hey, you've been doing a lot of your... Um, hip hinges with a really straight leg and you're saying your glutes are not growing let's focus on having a more bent knee and pushing the hips really far back to get more stretch of the glute and then all of a sudden you know you start learning to actually understand how to bias particular muscles now majority of people yeah sure they can just go to the gym and do something something's going to be better than nothing right and that's true but i think these days so many people kind of dumb things down and dis and discredit the knowledge of their audience or at least discredit people's want to actually learn and i think it's good to have people understand hey this is how i train this muscle this is how i can get more of this muscle so yes we can just train that movement pattern which is hip extension but we can get more glutes by doing this in a more bent knee. We can get more hamstrings by still extending the hip, but now doing it with a straighter leg. So understanding this stuff matters. And that's why, again, 
you know, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about hamstrings and they go, oh, we'll just deadlift and do that stuff. That's stupid because a big function of the hamstrings is literally to flex the knee. So that leg curl position. So if you want to have the best ability to hypertrophy a muscle group, if you want to have that best ability to grow it, then train it through its multiple functions. Okay. So train the hamstrings in the function where it's going to be extending hip train it in the function that's going to be flexing the knee. Now you're basically ticking both your bases to ideally having effective hypertrophy training. Okay. Now often get asked about, you know, what's the difference between a lying leg curl? What's the difference between a seated leg curl? Now, if you followed me on Instagram for a while, you'll probably hopefully know the answer to this. But basically the difference between a seated leg curl and a lying leg curl is where the exercise is going to be hardest. So even though both exercises, you are flexing your knee, which means you're bringing your feet basically to your bum. But where each exercise is hardest in that range of motion is opposite. So this is where we look at what we call um, a resistance profile. So a resistance profile is basically where in that exercise's range of motion does it encounter the most tension, okay? So the tension basically thinks where you encounter the most resistance, that's where the most tension will be on that muscle. And between the two exercises, it's actually opposite. When you do a lying leg curl, it's easier at the bottom when your legs are straight and as you bend your legs up and bring your bum, um, your feet towards your bum at the top, it gets harder and harder and harder. Okay. So that means a lying leg curl is going to be hardest at the top when the hamstring muscle is really shortening, but the seated leg curl is the opposite. When your legs are straight out, it's going to be harder there. So when your legs are straight and they begin flexing the knee, it's harder there. And then once you kind of pass halfway and get to um, the rep being close to bringing your feet to your butt, then it actually drops off the tension. So a, a seated leg curl is going to be harder when your hamstrings are in that really stretched position when your legs are straight, whereas a lying leg curl is going to be harder towards the top. So does that mean one is better than the other? Well, here's the thing. The seated leg curl seems to there's been research shown that seat leg curl seems to be a little bit better for hypertrophy because probably because you're training the muscles hard in that stretch position which seems to be the research showing you that when you train a muscle hard in, in a stretch position when the muscle's being lengthened it's probably a little bit better for hypertrophy whereas with a lying leg curl it's harder at the top which has been shown to maybe not as be as effective but it's also been, also been shown to still produce hypertrophy adaptations. So this is why I'm a big fan of utilizing both. I use a seated leg curl and I use a lying leg curl. So often I train people's um, hamstrings twice a week and they might do a seated leg curl one day and a lying leg curl the other day. So that way we're com covering both, both um, the stretch position being hardest and then the shortened position being hardest. So that's just a cool way I like to do hamstrings. And it's so simple, so effective, and I think clients really enjoy it. Now, often, and I always say it these days a lot, is people talk about 
exercises which train the hamstring and they go, oh, do this exercise, do this. And most of the time, those exercises don't actually even train the hamstring, okay? And those exercises which don't train the hamstring at all are things like a squat, a leg press, a lunge, a hip thrust. And, you know, people go, oh, well, it's my hamstrings and stuff like that are being trained. And I feel them in a squat and I feel them in a leg press and lunge. But the truth is they're not actually being trained because they're not being actually, again, lengthened or shortened. So they're not being stretched through a range of motion. And the reason primarily why they're not being trained in these exercises is because all those exercises, a leg press, a squat, a lunge, etc., they're all quads exercises. Okay. So a quad exercise is obviously going to be focused on the quads, right? And glutes. But the thing is, is that those exercises, if the quad is being trained, the hamstring won't be being trained effectively because the quad is the antagonist muscle of the hamstring. So again, if the quad is being trained, the hamstrings not just like when you do a, a leg curl, the hamstrings are being trained, but the quads are not because they're antagonist. But often people think though, well, because the glutes are also being trained. So when you do a leg press, your quads are being trained and your glutes, when you squat your quads and your glutes are being trained. But the thing is just because, and, and the reason why the glutes are being trained is because those movements all extend the hip. Now you're probably going, well, if an RDL extends the hip and a stiff-legged deadlift extends a hip and both the glutes and hamstrings are being trained, then why would a leg press and a squat and a lunge not train the hamstrings if you're still also extending the hip? And the reason is because the quads are being trained. So in all those exercises, you're also using your quads, which is your quad basically being trained through you extending your knee so when you extend your knee you're going to be lengthening and shortening the quad and while you're doing that simultaneously to extend the hip the glutes are being trained but the reason the hamstrings are not being trained is because again they can't be trained effectively while the glutes um while the quads are being trained so if the quads are being trained the hamstrings will not be able to be taking through their range of motion so the glutes are stretching the quads are stretching, but the hamstrings are basically being isometrically um, isometrically somewhat challenged, but not in a way that's going to lead to hypertrophy adaptation. So they're not basically being lengthened and shortened. But you often go, oh, well, I feel my hamstrings. But again, that's because there's just going to be tension in that area of your body. Because again, when the quads are being trained and the glutes are being trained, the hamstrings are still going to get some tension. But as I said, they're not going to be taken through a range of motion. They're just going to have tension in it. So that isometrically, but that's not from the research shown to lead to any hypertrophy adaptations. So I know a lot of this might be going over people's heads a little bit, but the key takeaway is that when you train hamstrings, you need to, oh, sorry. When you're training things like the leg press, the squat, the lunge, they're not actual hamstring exercises. Hamstring exercises are going to be things like your hip extension when you're doing with a straighter leg, like an RDL or a stiff-legged deadlift, or when you flex your knees, things like a leg curl, a lying leg curl, a seated leg curl, okay? So that's just really important to understand because often people think they're doing hamstrings because they're doing a squat, but they're actually not. 
That is why if you're trying to train your lower body effectively, you want to be adding in an exercise, which is going to be doing each of the ones I said above and not exercises that are going to be involving the knee, the quad, um, quad muscle being trained. Okay. Now, I think to wrap this up, and just so you guys know, an episode like this, I really hope sometimes you listen to these ones twice. And, you know, because a lot of these exercise, um, podcasts, I think there's a lot of information. Some of it can be a lot for people. So try to listen to it twice and then go through my posts. You often see me po- do posts on this stuff. And then when you see these posts, you go, okay, I get it. It makes more sense. Now, and when I'm putting hamstrings together, I really like to train the lower body to um, something like the hamstrings twice a week. So what I normally do is I always try to ensure I try to have um, two leg leg um, curl exercises a week and two hip extension exercises a week. So normally I'll have something like a seated leg curl one day and a lying leg curl another day. Another day I'll have an RDL, even though, yes, it's more glute, it's still going to give you some hamstrings. And then another day lately I'll have something like a stiff-legged dumbbell um instead for more hamstrings or things like a back extension a back extension with a straight leg is going to be again hamstrings and glutes so a lot of the hip extension movements you'll do are going to be kind of a blended approach of glutes and hamstrings but if you want to make it more glute you focus more on really bending the knee and pushing the hips back if you want to get more hamstring out of it when you're hip extending keep a straighter leg but that's just simple way i might do you know, two exercises one day and two exercises another day for hamstrings directly. And that is just a simple, really winning formula. You know, these are formulas I've, I've used on, you know, really advanced advanced level clients who you know have world-class hamstrings and stuff like that. And good hamstring training, guys, is just about, as I said, training each function of the hamstring, the the ability to flex your knee and also extend your hip. You train two exercises for each of those functions in the week and do good exercises, great technique. Then you're going to be in a great position to really grow your hamstrings. So I hope this episode was helpful. You know, I do a lot of stuff on the podcast around fat loss on Instagram. You know, I do a lot more stuff around exercise technique and stuff like that. I love this stuff and it's just sometimes hard on a podcast to kind of explain a lot of these things because often explaining training and technique is obviously something where people learn really well visually but i hope i have been trying to do this episode for a while so i hope a lot of this stuff made sense and you can when you're sitting here listening can visually kind of understand what i mean when i'm talking about extending your hip when i'm talking about flexing the knee and just think about it when you go train when you're in the gym next and train hamstrings think what are you doing what am i doing am i um understand when you when you train and really try to think when you do a movement what i'm actually doing am i just doing a movement because it says to do it in, in this program or am i doing it and also trying to understand all right cool where do i feel this where is it hardest if i'm not feeling it where i want what am i maybe doing wrong to what can i maybe do to get more out of this exercise when you start thinking more about that all of a sudden your results keep getting better and better and better so guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you did, make sure you um, leave a five-star rating if you haven't yet. Follow the podcast as well. Make sure you follow my podcast on Spotify or Apple, guys, and please keep sharing. As always, guys, thank you so much. Bye.